Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And fired home by Perisic! It's Eric Dyer. Bang! Here's Lucas Moura. Oh, they did it! And an equalizer from Ben Davis. Oh, yeah! What a strike by Bissouma. Audio's flying in again and wins it. Great work from Romero. What a save by Lloris. Jed Spence. Oh! Off the bar of Jonasson. Bulgari Kulisewski. The strike and Gasson scores. Crossing Kane. Can you truly believe this? Hello and welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. We hope you're keeping very, very safe and well. Thank you so much for joining us for this special edition of The Last Word on Spurs as we gear up for the return of the Premier League. I know what you're thinking. God, we're coming back very, very soon. We are coming back very, very soon. We hope you've enjoyed this revitalised break for some. I can tell you I've absolutely loved it. And uh, I wouldn't say I'm counting down the days to Brentford, but uh, it's slowly peeling off on our calendar. Just how yeah, close man, We're looking forward to it. Buzzing for the Premier League, Rick. Come on. Would it be Macca if he's not buzzing for a return of the Premier League? Although we've had six weeks off already. Macca, how are you, mate? Enjoy the uh, Christmas special the other day? Very good, mate. Unbelievable scenes getting home as well. Like, absolute oh. scenes. And we, we, we're in the Beaver Town, which, by the way, if you don't know, is uh, bang opposite your south stand. And um, and it, it started snowing, didn't it? Oh, like Right at the beginning of the show. Three hours later, because um, I know you were conscious of time, Rick, three hours. Three hours later, it's like a blanket of white stuff out there. I'm driving home back to Oxfordshire. It's taken a while. There's BMWs and Mercedes, right? Because they're mostly mostly rear-wheel drive. They're everywhere. They're fishtailing down the road. They, they're stuck. It's madness. Uh, I drive a 4 by 4 so I was, I was all right. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a brilliant show and fantastic. A big shout-out to, obviously, all of the panel and all the people that enjoyed them. But massive shout-out to uh, Tim Winstone. He was superb when he he was. No, he was absolutely superb. Well, it only feels right as we're gearing up towards, I know Jason McGovern listening to this now is going to cusp his ears, the uh, <laughs> upcoming January transfer window. I think many are always intrigued on last one on Spurs as to how a transfer works. What is the puzzle behind a transfer? We had this man join us. He's been joining us look, for the last two or three years on last one on Spurs. Um, he's done some of our post-match analysis shows. He's given us some real financial insight into football in general, in the role that he does uh, generally on like a day-to-day role. We've got the wonderful Adam Osper um, from the Sports Financial Planners. Ads, lovely to be back on last one on Spurs. You're looking refreshed. Look, you've enjoyed the uh, break from Tottenham. How are you? Refreshed. I'm sitting here with, uh, with with a jacket on because it's so cold at the minute and I've got the heat in them. Uh, yeah, re- uh, refreshed. I've enjoyed the World Cup. I think, you know, I said to you before, I've really enjoyed it. I think once, once we got over the issues around... You know all the problems of where the World Cup was and the timing. Actually, the football's been amazing. Um, yeah. There's some great games. I can't remember enjoying so many games in a World Cup for a long, long time. Just so many really good games, exciting drama. Just obviously a bit gutting about England because I really, I thought, I thought, I thought we had a good chance of going no. all the way. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I say. I Semi-refresh yeah. for Spurs. We'll see. It, it could all go to pot on Boxing Day, right? And then I'll be wanting a break again. Yeah, it does remind me of when a, when a player is out injured and suddenly, for some reason, their level of expectation seems to creep up and up and up, saying, oh, we're going to come back. This player's going to come back. Yeah. Almost like Tottenham, we forgot about what's happened the last start, or the, say the start of the season. And we're just, I suppose, anticipating what is to come. And of course, we're in the midst of now waiting to find out um, squad-wise, what we've got availability-wise. We know there's a slight concern over Richarlison, so we'll just see how we pan out with that. And I'm sure we'll get updates from Antonio ahead of Spurs' friendly, which we'll be going to be covering here in last one on Spurs against Nice of next cool. week. Lee? Next week, isn't it? It yeah. is next week. It's it is cool. next week as we gear up for the return. We'll start with you, Lee, and you can uh, say, give Adam a, a chance to summarise on what he feels the start of the season has been. Yeah, I, was, I wanted to get Adam's view, if I can, Adam, if, if that's all right, before we get into the puzzle of the transfer to ask you about Spurs' start to the season. Rich has mentioned there, forget about the difficult start that we had, but we, we also had the best ever start to a Premier League season. I think most people actually forgot that. Uh, you know, points-wise, after the first 10, 11 games, I think it was the highest we've ever had in the Premier League. But if it was offered to you, three points by Man City when the season broke for the World Cup, most of w- w- would have snapped our hands off for that. Um, you know, topping our Champions League group as well into the last 16 the fact that Arsenal top of the league is, you know, is a bit painful. But like I said last week, I think we can we can turn that gap around. Where do you think that we are at? You know, what's your come summary, if you like, of the season so far for Spurs? I, I think if, if you think back when the, the transfer window closed, everyone was mega excited. They thought, right, we're strong. And I remember having this conversation, you know, some people saying we need another striker, not just Richarlison. And I was just like, you know what? We've got four strikers. If you include more of five, what are the chances of four of them being injured at the same time? Virtually none. And obviously, that's exactly what happened. You know, yeah, and actually, I think, you know, I think, you know, we're three points behind City. We're, we, we've qualified for the Champions League. We haven't played well, particularly in, in a number of games. Actually, I don't think that's true. I think I think we've played well in the second half in a lot of games. I, I, I don't buy into the opinion at all that Conte sets them out to be really defensive in the first half because in some of the games they've been absolutely appalling where they couldn't even make two passes. And obviously he doesn't go out and say, sit on the edge of your box and kick the ball aimlessly nowhere and don't try to pass to anyone. I just think there is a problem with how we start games for sure. And then I think when we've played the bigger teams, you know, Arsenal away, United away, we, you know, you can't come back when you go behind to good teams. I think the injury, I, I think for me, I, I've said this for a while, the injury to Kulazesti was the absolute most important. He's fundamental to how we play um, because he does two things. One, you can give him the ball anywhere and he can carry it. Two, he's unbelievable with the ball. He, he always makes the right pass and the right decision. And I think the other thing which he does do is when he plays, it means that Emerson doesn't attack. You know, and, and, and Emerson has been a massive problem for us. 100%. Because when Richarlison and Son play, they make inward runs and then Emerson ends up on the overlap. But actually, I think the first five or six games of the season, Emerson was much further back and actually playing OK defensively because all he was doing was giving the ball to Kulazewski. And then it was just like, right, you don't need to go forward now. So I think I think having him back will be a massive a massive improvement to the team and how we play and the dynamic of how we play. I also think, you know, I think, you know, people have been really critical of how we've played, but actually, you know, these guys have played so many games at a high level, Champions League, Premier League, Champions League. And you look at the teams that we've played away from home, we've played really hard games, loads of London derbies, big, big games. And, you know, other big teams have got to play all those games away. So I think, when you look at all of that, I think we're in a good position. We've got players back fit and, and so on. I think the break will be good for Conte, you know, in terms of like to reflect on things. Um, and, you know, with the transfer window coming up, bring a couple of in, have have an impact like Benton Kerr and and and, and I mean, imagine that. Kulisevsky did. So basically, we're winning the league, is, is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, 100%. I, I agree. Just, just quickly pick up before, uh, obviously, Rick, I know you, you want me to shut up talking, but. Um, Ad, I just want to get your view on that that kind of Arsenal connection. You mentioned there about you know big big games. We're playing in the Champions League every three game, three days. If you look at Liverpool start of the season, 
Champions League. Chelsea start to the season, Champions League. Manchester City start to the season. We're only three points behind them, Champions League. Do you think it's a coincidence that the likes of Arsenal are top of the league, and they're doing really well, don't get me wrong, but they're not playing Champions League football. They can rest a lot of their, their players, if you like, and they have been rotating for the, uh, you know, the what is it, the Thursday night league, whatever it's yeah. called. Um, but, you know, the Europa League. So so do, do you think that's had a factor in, 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 in moving out? And as that competition gets a bit more um, uh, competitive, should we say, post-break, that might change a little bit more as well. Yeah, I mean, that, that, they've been really good. You know, let's not mess about. They've been really good. Um, but they, they had no injuries, you know, so actually they've had the ability to then rotate and, and, and actually they've had the ability to rotate, you know, in the Europa because you sort of look at some of the teams they've played, you've not heard of them and they've literally rotated everybody. So that helps. And as well as that, because they've done quite well in a lot of games, they've been able to take people off early as well, give them a bit of a rest. You know, look at Kane. I think Kane came off once, and he played every, literally every single game because everybody got injured. Yeah. So he, it was impossible to rotate. And, and like you say, when you play in the Champions League, and we we put ourselves in a bit of a position where we had to do well in all the rest of the games, so you almost couldn't rotate at all. Whereas in an ideal world, we've qualified early and then, you know, been able to rotate. So, you know, Jesus is out now. You know, maybe a couple more injuries. It'll be interesting to see when they get a couple more injuries. You know, they don't like playing when it's cold either, Arsenal generally. So this time could be a bit tricky for them. <laughs> it, it will be interesting. We've got them coming up in a couple of weeks, haven't we? Yeah, so, exactly. uh, yeah precisely. It will be interesting to see, Ads, obviously, of course, with the upcoming January window, how that does affect the teams and the business that they may or may not do ahead of January upcoming for us. Now, as I said at the start of the show, we've had the pleasure <laughs> to welcome your last one, Spurs, on a number of occasions. I mean, you specialise in work in the sport and entertainment industry, your main client bank, including the Premier League footballers, you've got musicians, entertainers, as well as some rugby players and boxers as well. I mean, just for any new listeners and new viewers that we've had subsequently since you've last been on, you able to give us an insight into what you, again, specialise in that industry and, again, the, the ability is to try and handle some of those real, I would, I would imagine, quite tough characters at times. Right, so so I'm a financial planner. Um, I've been I've been doing my job for t- about 22 years. For 15 years, I've been working in the sports space. So that 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 sort of built that network of of working with agents, clubs, um, accountants, and lawyers who all specialise in that space. And I, and I, I basically give them financial advice. Most of the introductions that I do come from, you know, the agents um, and those other professional connections. As well as that, we do work, um, which we're going to touch on later, like on a financial education. Um, to to young sports people, to clubs directly, um, to like the academies and the under twenty threes. Now, in terms of you know, so that's what I do, and basically I help them you know plan for the future. And people will always think, oh right, well top end Premier League footballers, you know they've got loads of money, but actually you know not all my clients are top end Premier League footballers. They don't all start like that. Some of them are kids, seventeen, eighteen in the lower leagues, or some of them might be Championship players. Or some of them's you know income might have dropped off massively and they might have only had a few years of, of good earnings so what, what what you try to do is get them into a position where when they finish football which you know it might only be a 15-year career and within that 15 years you might only have really good earnings for three or four years and you're trying to actually then build them into a position where they've got enough money at 35 36 37 to hopefully help support them for the next 40 50 years so so everything that they do in their life financially personally is very condensed into a really short space of time so people think oh they earn millions but you know if you're a accountant or a lawyer you'll earn more money over your career than a footballer would they just get it in a really condensed period of time um so you know do i deal with tricky cap you know how you deal with them is different how you deal with normal business people um you know business you know you, you can you can manage your diary properly when you're dealing with business people with with sports people it's it's on a day-to-day basis lots of whatsapp text phone calls you know diaries change all the time depending on t- who they're playing what their schedule is whether they're home whether they're away whether they're injured whether they've played badly and the manager gets them in for a double session you know man city is a really interesting one pep gives man city their schedule for the week after the game on the weekend so trying to arrange to go to manchester to see some of the players there is a nightmare because if they're playing on a sunday i'm like messaging them on a sunday night what's your schedule this week whereas liverpool they do their whole month they have it all sort of nailed out which is obviously much easier because then you can pretty much plan things 
so there's a lot of that and, and just how you deal and speak to people is just slightly different to how you might deal with somebody who is a professional person in a in, in or a business owner fascinating stuff they didn't want to come back in there before i go and question out to next no like, i mean i just literally it fascinates me how much yeah. just on that side goes into it that we yeah. just don't even think about you know we're coming yeah. into the January transfer window and obviously talking about that that transfer piece but actually what you do add is 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 amazing especially i you know i set up a business recruitment company called war talent years and years ago and it was about enabling early careers people in profession in professional sales and that sort of stuff in business uh, to come in so when you when you're talking about looking after footballers when they're 16 17 18 and they're coming in they don't really know how to how to utilize that money and it's not just financial is it it's just like that whole plan piece i find that fascinating and it's and it's it's weird when you talk about that condensed bit we all just go oh yeah they're, they're multi-millionaires but actually over the duration what was a footballer if they're lucky what's modric 37 is he or, yeah it's you know, 33 yeah. so you, yeah, know, you, you can you can if, if you look at modric you know you, you can you can list on your hand how many players have played at the top of the premier league or the top of their game for 15 20 years it's not a lot yeah. you know most of them have like it, yep. it's a short period of time you know the elite do um but you know it, it, it is a short number of people you know i and, but there are really you know I, I spoke to a client yesterday and he he's 34 in the final year of his contract he's playing in league two now um, and he's just done his ACL. Is he's done all of his knee? Ouch. He doesn't know what's going on. And yeah. he was he was uh, you know four or five years ago playing for Brentford in the in the Championship. He was their best player, and he'd agreed a move um, to a Premier League club. It had been agreed two games to go before the end of the season. Someone did a horrible tackle. He broke his leg in two places. Oh, no way. And that and that was life changing. Yeah, you know, that was like going from X to Premier League money, not the so, Premier League money now. Yeah, and then yeah. and then you know that never happened. So it's not always about multi millionaires. And for him, it's you know I, I'm I'm quite close to him. We spoke on the phone yesterday. I've known I've worked with him for ten years, and you know he's sort of like we're, we're sort of friends, and you feel their pain when they go through these really horrible times. And human side, isn't it? It's a human side of. Of football, which a lot of again, especially at Premier, League, I, I think that example is brilliant. Champ, ch- championship or League One, League Two, they're not obviously going to be high uh, earning as much as you know the top elite footballers. And actually, everybody, as you mentioned earlier, people even in the Premier League are not earning some of the money that is banded about that we all think that they are. You just think, oh, Premier League, pay, oh, they must be on hundred grand a week. But that's that's yeah. obviously not the case as well, is it? Like it's they are still a, a kind of a, a, a you know a minority, should we say? Yeah, look, it, it, it's great money. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, if you're only 40, 50 grand a week, it, it's mega money. But what you'll see is the people that are on that money will generally be mid to lower end Premier League players. Therefore, they might have come up from the championship and been promoted or they might have done well in their career. And now they're in their peak earnings in that four to six year period. So you have that four to six year period to try to maximise what they're going to do. That could be buying their family home that they want to live in for the rest of their life paying off a mortgage they might have a mortgage over like five years so i see people paying 20 30 40 grand a month on a mortgage and then you know all all the other things and then as well as that you know you have a wife and maybe children looking after them and making sure that when you stop playing you're you're financially okay and and also just just to add uh, with with uh, the um the example you gave earlier if and this can happen at any given moment. If a, a, a career engine ending injury comes in or you bust your ACR, I've done mine twice. Not that I'm a professional footballer and ever been good enough to be one, but I understand the injury because I've done it twice. You bust your ACR, you're done for the season. So what yeah. does that mean? Does the club, you know, people talk about players are ruthless, but clubs are also ruthless, right? They can also yeah. say, you know what, we're now not going to renew your contract. I, 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 I have a client. I have a client who is playing in the championship. He's been captain of his team for about seven or eight years, and he did he did his he did his um, ACL back end of last year. They haven't renewed his contract. No way. It's yeah, so and you're like, you know, and it's like, well, well, you know, where's where's the you know where's the loyalty there? Yeah, is yeah. there yep. loyalty there? You know, th- there is that side of thing. There is j- j- just on the injury side. There's there's a specific injury called career ending insurance, which is basically a lump sum oh, payout. Yeah, if, if you're in, your career has to be finished where you can't play football again to get that yeah. lump sum payout. Yeah, if you yeah. do have a contract, 
England is, is or the UK is quite a good place in terms of getting paid continuously. So um, in Italy, for example, um, you're you're only covered for six months salary. So if you've got a long term injury, they can terminate the contract or reduce it by 50 percent. In Germany, you only get paid for six weeks by the wow. club. Um, um, so there's a different insurance you need there. In England, the club continues to pay you effectively. Um, it, it's 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 sort of eighteen months to two years, and then they can pay you up if they wanted to. It's it might be an obvious. It might be an obvious question to some people, but does that then mean like? And I know we're getting into the kind of the transfer bit already, but does that then mean when a player is considering a, a contract for a new club? Then the sorts of considerations would be going through their mind, wouldn't they? Because if I think about it, if I was a player with my family, I've got, you know, I've got a wife, I've got three daughters, all, all of the things you've just talked about, house, whatever, I'd be thinking, well, hang on, if I go to Italy or if I go to Germany and I get injured, I'm only getting my salary for six for six weeks. Whereas actually in England, I'm getting it paid out type yeah. things. That's a consideration, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that is also why, you know, when people talk about loyalty in football, if you, you know, people always stay in football, you might only get one chance to make a move. You know, not, not again, not always at the top, top elite level. But, you know, if you are a top end championship player and you're a striker and you're scoring goals and a Premier League club comes into you, you've got to go. Because one's if you get injured, one's if you don't hit form next season. The money that you could get could be life changing for you and your family for the rest of your life. If you turn yeah. it down now, if and anything can happen. And I, I just gave that example. So p- people expect loyalty, and I understand that on both sides, from a club and, and a player, but also people need to take a step back and think, you know what, it's a life-changing opportunity, potentially. What You know, you've got to take these opportunities. People talk about Graham Potter as an example, you know, going from Brighton to Chelsea. You know, it's like th- these are maybe once-in-a-lifetime opportunities, and you, you, you need to, you, you know, if you're ambitious and, and financially, you need to look after yourself and think about these things because they may not come around again. I, I, I think, Ad, this is again a, a prime example of why we love having you on last one on Spurs because this kind of conversation does not come up for us, unfortunately, on a post-match analysis show. Or I think, again, it gives like an insight into, like I say, when it does come to an upcoming transfer window, you know, it's not just about going from, you know, A to B. There is so much to factor into a transfer you know, like you've just said there, for a player, for a club, whoever it may be, so many definitive factors. But I'm going to strip it right back, if you don't mind. Um, you know, we are living in a world now where there's substantial media contracts representing the majority of the income for clubs in the biggest European leagues. And in most cases, that kind of dwarfs other commercial revenue. You know, some clubs, they have exceptionally wealthy owners, even for outright private means or in the shapes of various financial intensities, such as hedge funds, private equity, or even national sovereign wealth funds, like we've seen We've obviously Newcastle now being represented by Saudi Arabia to some degree. Um, now, that often, of course, bolsters the transfer spending in an effort to really fast track a club to success. You may arguably say Newcastle are going to get there quicker than arguably Chelsea even did under Abramovich by the speed they're going there to some degree. But um, it does seem still at the moment that the top European sides, such as the Barcelonas, they are still spending really, really big. But UEFA's financial fair play is designed to try and level that playing field, will we understand it to be? So a very basic question really to start on this aspect is, where does that money come from? And why are clubs still able to spend millions to sign a player? So so, so if you look at like, you know, like PSG and, and Man City, the, the Premier League clubs have tried to stop what they did. So with financial fair play, you're meant to sort of work and spend within your means and so on. And, and, and what those clubs did was they basically announced massive... Um, sponsorship of the stadiums and what that massive sponsorship of the stadiums allowed them to do was then to spend significantly more money on transfers and ultimately it was the owners of the club putting the money into the club in a different way. They've tried to stop that with Newcastle and those large sponsorship deals but effectively that's how the money came in. The other way, you know, the TV money. So what, what you have there is when Sky come in um, and do these massive deals of X pounds over a number of years. One, the clubs, what often happens is they forward spend that money. If you're in the Premier League, you gamble. If, if the Sky deal is a five-year deal and you're getting, I, I don't know what the numbers are, 10 billion a year over over five years, clubs can sort of forward spend that money by borrowing. So you can actually borrow against the TV revenue. And that's where you see clubs getting into trouble in the past, actually, 
is where maybe a club might gamble on being in the Premier League, spend a load of money. And actually what they've done is they've borrowed the TV money in advance of getting it because it's effectively like a mortgage, spent it, spent it badly, gone, got relegated, and then they're in sort of serious financial trouble. So Spurs' model is to, you know, is to try to obviously spend the TV money and then, you know, use it from the from the money that they generate on on match days and so on and work within the business. What other clubs have done in the past, again, is they've, I think Rangers did it years ago, is they they borrowed against their ticket, their season ticket sales, which again, it, you know, is, is a very dangerous thing to do if you get into financial trouble. So that's where the money comes from. Most of it is TV, most of it is money that's been put in, most of it is transfer money, um, and revenues that the clubs generate and Spurs specifically have tried to generate most of their money um, you know from from the stadium effectively and sponsorship and other events and so on because they don't effectively have that money tree of of of, of that owner pumping billions in I suppose that's where the game changes come from isn't it with the new stadium and all that sort of stuff as well like you know we've got boxing events there we've got you know um you know the, the all of the big music stuff that we've been going on the entertainment all that sort of stuff as well but yeah, exactly. adam your, your, your take on the transfer window everyone knows how the mechanics of a transfer window looks like from the outside but essentially are you you know there's, there's a summer window and a winter window and ultimately most most all, um, most football clubs will um see where they are mid-season and then go again in january if, to replace your players or whatever you know if they you're going to push for the title hopefully spurs fans um or you know like get out of relegation or whatever are you a fan of essentially two windows during that season are you a fan generally of the, the transfer window adam um well, I think if you think back to what it was before, where you could just buy people at any point, I think actually having a window is is, is probably fine. The only thing they probably need to change, which they did try and change and then didn't change, was the end, the date in which it ends in the summer, especially um, because it goes into the season. But it's a problem with Europe and when other, you know. So if they could sort that out, I think it would be fine. Um, I think the January window is fine as well. You, you know, you know what it is. I don't think there's a problem having a bit of a bit of a period of time we're almost at a point now where there's so much posturing though like sort of two things happen don't they like loads of deals get done early and those deals get done early because they've been done already in advance um and it's just sort of finishing those <coughs> or what happens in january especially is everything gets left until the last minute and people don't or people think oh yeah everyone's leaving it to the last minute but often it's a bit like um when you buy a house and you're in a chain the club might say, well, okay, we're going to buy that, but we'll sell you that person. We've got to find a replacement. So then they've got to go and trundle off and find their replacement. And then the club above it might have to, and so on. <clears throat> Sorry, I've got a bit of a tickly cough. Um, so <laughs> eventually there might be, you know, one club where you can give them enough money to that actually they think, okay, we're, we're just going to bank that money and spend it in the summer. And that's almost like the top of your housing chain. And what happens in January, because it's quite condensed, is everyone sort of like rushes around, you know, trying to do these deals late. And then if one, it's the same in the house buying process, if one one part of the chain falls through, the whole deal can fall through. And often people are going, oh, especially with Spurs, oh, it's Levy, he's not spending yeah. and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I know of one of the deals in the summer where, you know, it had been agreed with the player, you know, months in advance, but Spurs and, 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 and the club were haggling over the amount to pay structure of the deal, who pays interest on the transfer fee, like some really crazy. Like weird, crazy, you know, crazy yeah. things that you don't think about because you're paying yeah. the money over a certain number of years. Is there interest on the payments? Who's paying it? Numbers change. They pull things out. How much is guaranteed up front and how much is in instalments based on certain things and so on? It's interesting, just just on that, uh, before before uh, we, we, we crack on, Rick, is that, that that's the that's the thing that fascinates me the most about kind of putting these these transfers together. It's not simply I want to buy Bast by the way I do want to buy Bastoni right, but I want to get Bastoni or Guardiola into the into the left centre back position. Let's go and put eighty million down to get Guardiola or sixty million down to get Bastoni, and that you know offer him only fifty grand of it, pay him what he wants, whatever it is, and then it's done because all them other factors you have to take into consideration when like you say when you you've got kind of a four week window to, that process surely can't start on the 1st of january no. it must have started ages ago right so that's why sometimes 
Well, one of our own, uh, Jamie from the Daily Oxbow, he, he, uh, uh, he, he put out a, a tweet about transfer. I, forgot, I can't even remember what it is. There's so many goes out, but it was one guy that we've potentially been looking at since 2019. And I'm like, Puratici and Conte weren't even at the club in 2019. How are we going to sign this guy? Like, they probably don't even like him or want him. Is this, is this fake news? Whatever. But it's it's so it's so complicated that they probably are having tabs on it for that long, aren't they? Yeah, you'd have you'd have you know you'd have scouts that are looking at players, and then there'll be like a database of players that they're monitoring, and then they probably don't want to do what they did with a few transfers, like you know where where they bought you know Undombele and Deselso off the back of one good season, but actually you're looking for like consistent performance over a number of years, and then you're monitoring them, seeing how they progress and and and, and so on. But you know they take ages, and the Bastoni one, you know, there were loads of factors in that one. You know, firstly he didn't want to leave. You know, exactly. so you know you can lump enough money up to somebody where, but 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 frankly, you know, some people don't want to leave where they are. That's a fact. The other one is Inter might have said, well, actually, you know, if he leaves, we only want to buy these three players to replace him, and maybe none of them are available. Or they couldn't afford them. So there's, you know, it's not always, oh yeah, pay the money and pay the money and it's done. It, it will be pay the money if you pay stupid money over the top for somebody. But you know. That's not going to happen with Spurs. And it, and it doesn't always happen. It's happening less so now, I think, with financial fair play. City don't necessarily go crazy on transfer fees. Um, so, yeah, there's loads of factors involved, you know, not not only to the transfer. Fair, to, to, to interact with you, City, to be fair, they don't tend to. I mean, I think they, I remember Kevin De Bruyne was only he was sub 70 million, wasn't he, at the time, or 62 million. or And I think he was yeah. his record transfer fair. Jack Rudy is now 100 million. But... But, if Jack, but Jack, Grealish, Jack Grealish was his release clause. So they paid the release clause. Yeah, they yeah. pay him. Yeah. You look at you look at um, even Ruben Diaz. You know, brilliant defender, massively expensive. I mean, Alvarez, who uh, I've got you guys talking about in the green room earlier, amazing, amazing player. He's almost been picked up out out of the radar. He wasn't hundred yeah. million pound player either, was he? So it's quite. No, they sold quite a few, you know. They sold Zinchenko, they sold Sterling, they sold, I think, another player. They sold a couple of others, didn't they? In the well, summer, they sold Jesus, didn't they? Of course, Jesus as well. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So they That's sold, it. they sold quite a few players to like recruit, recruit that money. Um, so I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I mean, obviously, Chelsea did. Chelsea spent a lot, a lot of money. Um, I'm not quite sure how, but but they sold players as well over years, and also it depends on on how you structure the deal. So you know, often you know you might see a hundred million pound transfer, but it could be twenty five million up front, and then twenty five million over over the next three years. So so actually, from a financial fair play point of view, that doesn't go through the books as a hundred million. It goes through as like the initial amount, um, and then you could sell that player over two years. And I think people. Didn't always think that about you know Ndombele and Lacelso as examples with us. What we paid for him, you might have got some transfer money back, and actually, <clears throat> by the time you sell them for half what you paid for them, add in what you've got in loan fees, your loss is only maybe you know twenty five percent of what you originally paid for them. Mm -hmm. so you haven't paid money, but actually, on the books, they amortise the value down as a depreciating asset anyway. Yeah, I tell yeah, you, yeah. I absolutely fascinating stuff. It really, really is. What we all do is we all know for our first break of the show, uh, for our listeners and audio. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. For those that are watching live and for those that are, of course, are tuning in, listening back to this show, we're joined by wonderful Adam Ospar from Sports Finance, giving you some injection ahead of the January transfer window into the puzzle behind what makes a transfer. 
And it's always fascinating stuff bringing Adam on here. I mean, Ad, look, as we've discussed, transfers are now definitely 100% a central component of football. It's almost become a takeover of football in general because of how much people love the transfer window. There's obviously huge fees being exchanged between both clubs. And we know transfers can happen in a variety of different ways. I think what people are maybe keen to know and understand is how and at what point in the process are the respective people, the entities, the representatives paid in the role of a transfer? You had to give us a bit of insight into that? So, so, so in, in, its, in its most simplistic form, you've got um, one club goes to another club, they agree a fee to buy a player, and then the player's agent then negotiates with the buying club on the contract. And that agent will then get paid. Um, it's normally always based on the contract value, not the transfer fee. You, know, you, you see that like, these odd occasions. I think you saw it quite a lot with um, uh, Raiola, who's who obviously passed away, where he would get specific clauses written in, and you can do that in certain situations in 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 Europe. You can you can't do that in England, um, where, where the agent gets paid on a transfer fee specifically. So then, what what you would have is you know somebody has a contract of you know two and a half million over you know per, you know per year for four years, so ten million, and then the agent will get paid a percentage of that. Normally, it's anywhere between sort of three to five percent, um, and that can get paid you know as a lump sum upfront, you know a reduced amount, or it gets paid over the term of the contract. And then the footballer that goes down as a P eleven deal on his on his payslip, and he pays the tax on that. Where it becomes complicated which is what you see more of, it, you know, with foreign players, is what you might have is you might have a club that says, right, we, we would like to have, again, you know, let, let's take Spurs, let Kulazewski. So what you might have is you might have, Spurs might say, Daniel Levy might say, right, to an agent, go and speak to Juventus on our behalf, because you speak Italian and you know the club and so on. So the agent will go and speak to the club. The club will have an agent that Juventus would have had, could have had a club that they then instructed. So then you've got two agents negotiating. The selling club is trying to negotiate the price up. So normally what Juventus would say in that situation is they say, right, we want 25 million for him. Anything you get above that is yours. So you're, because you're basically selling, that's your bonus, right? So if you get 30 million, you get 5 million because we've got us 25, whatever it might be, something like that. And then on the flip side, you've got the selling, the agent working for Spurs who's trying to get that price down. Right. Um, and then they're getting paid accordingly for that. And then they negotiate on behalf of the club um, with the player agent. So then what you might have is if you've got a foreign agent, the foreign agent might be a foreign person. So he might have a contact in the UK that he works with on UK transfer deals into the UK. So that's four different agents in that deal. Wow. That I've just spoken oh, about. Yeah. And, and that can happen. Stuff. Fascinating. Yeah. Crazy. What, I mean, what's, what's interesting on that? Then? So, just on that example, if we've got the the buying club and the selling club both have an agent and they're talking to each other, it could be. I'm being a bit, I suppose, facetious a little bit here, but a bit naughty. But it could be that because the selling club is given the five million pound bonus to say it's Ricky, and the and the buying club is kind of um, going to pay the, or the agent's fee is going to come based on the length of contract. Adam, so Adam and Ricky, you you two could be talking about what you're getting in order to yep. make that deal happen. Nothing yeah. to do with the clubs or the player, which Absolutely. is really bad, isn't it? Yeah, and then you've seen situations before where you know you've seen Spurs and other clubs walk away from deals because it's you know there's been too many agents involved wanting too many deals, and and you know that not might not be that they're doing anything bad. It could just be that. The situation is that there's just loads of people that, that, that need paying. And actually, you think well, it's not really worth that because we can get this player on our list and there's only one agent involved. So we're yeah. paying, you know, millions of pounds less in agency fees. And that doesn't mean, again, you know, not, this isn't a negative on agents. It's just, you know, it, 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 just it's it is. Yeah. brokers yeah. and negotiations. And sometimes it's absolutely fine. And sometimes it's necessary because, you know, you know, if you take Spurs, again, you can't have Daniel Levy, the person negotiating with, you know, Juventus, and it could be that Paratici is, and then he has agents because, and, and, and so on. So it can become complex when there's lots of different people involved. You've just Too given us that. Yeah, I know, I agree. Uh, it's mad, Ed, you've just kind of given us there the, the real kind of complexity around what even forms a transfer. And that's why, again, this kind of next point is that, you know, when a club is normally interested in signing a player, 
you have the you have the representative of that club will go and make an official inquiry to find number one of the players available. Then normally a bid will be lodged. Now we, we have seen over the course of the last twenty years and so in the Premier League where players have taken it maybe upon themselves to try and engineer a move. I mean, one that I know still is uh, fascinating for some, of course, is Odom Wingy, where he sat outside the training grounds um, yeah. to try and get his move on deadline day. And we've had situations, of course, like Spurs, where Berbatov took a plane and authorised from Tottenham over to Old Trafford to force a move. I just wonder now, kind of when you look in hindsight, you know, you must have come across times in obviously your career as well, where maybe potentially you've had players that have tried to force a move or engineer a move to try and accelerate that process. Um, are you in favour of that? Can you understand why players would do that to go outside the normal process? Yeah. So you go, again, like go back to what I said at the beginning, you've got one opportunity, you know, one chance, you know, take Berbatov as an example, you know, Berbatov was an unbelievable player. He had the opportunity to, you know, and I, you know, obviously I was gutted he left, but you know, he was one of the best players in the Premier League. You've got the opportunity to go to Manchester United and Alex Ferguson, where you're almost guaranteed to win the league or challenge for the league and possibly the Champions League. So it's the absolute pinnacle under one of the greatest managers of all time. I'm not quite sure how old Berbatov was when he left us. He must have been maybe 27, possibly 26, 27. So if you're getting a four-year deal, that's your career there. You're, you're, you're not going to get that chance again. Yeah, you're not going to get that. If you're 27 and Alex Ferguson comes after you, you don't. But it's a bit like the Kane situation. You know, it's like... You know, it, it's now or never. You know, you don't go. You don't. You turn down. You turn down Man United. You know. You know to stay at Spurs. Uh, you know, Martignol got sacked the next season. You're mid-table. You're never going to get yeah. a move to Man United again. You know, or you're thinking, well, actually, this is the chance to play for the best team in the world, or you know, whatever it might be. I've, I've got to make this happen because it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Can I ask you? Just before Lee comes back in, uh, you just touched upon Harry. I have to ask you that like, psychologically for Harry at that time of when. Spurs are appointing Nuno and Harry clearly has got the ambition to want to go to the very top to win the best honours there are in the game and City are sniffing. Maybe just to kind of, again, you, you will share sympathy of a player because obviously where you've been around and managing them to some degree, they say in terms of finances, you'll understand not just the winning of trophies, but also the financial elements to a club like City being linked to a player. Yeah, just, maybe. Think- how difficult is that for a player to refocus themselves and the way Kane has done that at Tottenham when City were looking, they were so strong for him at one point? Um, I think it depends on the person. You know, I, th- I think it depends on the person and the personality. I think it's like anything in life. You've got, you know, in, in, in everyone's work, you've got people when things don't go well, they'll sulk and moan about it for months on end. And then you've got people that, well, it's true that it's, I'm one of those people. Um, and, and then you've got, then you'll get people that will just get on with it. They'll say, right, it's done now. Nothing I can do about it. I need to move on. And I think Kane is probably that type of person. Um, you know, I think the Kane situation was handed, handled badly, you know, by his representatives. Frankly, I think when you look at transfers with the agents that I know quite well, nothing that ever gets done doesn't get done. You know, without the approval of the player, um, and you know, the, it, it would have been discussed. You know, that situation was handled badly for, for whatever reason. Um, but I, you know, I, I think I, I think I was on this pod at the time we spoke about it, and I said I, I, yeah. I totally understood why he wanted to go. Yeah, you did. You yeah. did. I get. I know we're going off piece, but this conversation is riveting for me, and and especially around Kane because he's now 18 months left on his contract uh, i think uh, come january um you know he's, he's he's said in the past he's looking for assurances um you know especially after that debacle uh, for, about, about nuno and all that stuff that you got we just talked about we've also got antonio conte there whose contract essentially runs out at the end in june and we know that we've got uh, the spurs have got that kind of clause that they can evoke at any at any time without Conte agreeing to it because it's already in the contract, so we then we can get in another year. And again, might be an, a, a, an obvious question, Ad, but th- does that mean that, in your opinion, from a player's perspective, Kane's looking to see what the landscape looks like now before committing to anything, or or is that ship sailed? Like you talked about the Berbatov thing with Manchester United, where's Kane going to go because he ain't going to City now? Can't seem want to go Man United anyway. Liverpool ain't yeah. going to take, uh, pick him up. Potentially Chelsea. There's no chance of going to Arsenal. So he's in a fantastic club in the Premier League. Yeah, right? I mean... And yeah. then Bayern Munich's not in the Premier League, is it? And then he's not going to beat Shearer's record. So does that mean he's, he's kind of 
that that ship sailed a little bit. The bit that I'm not clear on is how important, and I think fans get a bit more caught up on this about records. You know, when you mentioned yeah. Bayern Munich as an example, if you said to Kane, right, you've got a chance to win, you know, the Bundesliga, which everyone says is a great league, but it is a league, and potentially the Champions League, or break Alan Shearer's record, or be Spurs' top goal scorer, he will take that. He will, he will take winning. You know, he's not... I remember having this debate where people say, well, he can be a Spurs legend and our greatest ever goal scorer. OK, he could be Spurs' second greatest ever goal scorer and win the league in the Premier League somewhere. He would rather... Um, that would definitely be a better option for him. Um, so, yeah, so has that ship said? I don't, I don't know, but I think, I, I do, I think it's an interesting one. And you do wonder whether part of the tying Conte down is linked to tying Kane down because... Like you say, you know, if we if Conte says right, I'm signing for like two more years, then actually he's bought into Spurs. Everybody knows how much control he has, and therefore Kane might commit. If Conte says I'm not doing anything until the end of the season, and then I'm going to decide again, I think you'll see a similar situation with Kane. Frankly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I do, sure. but I do also think you know it could be that actually Kane's representatives turn around and say, well, do you know what, Harry, you know, Bayern Munich aren't interested, and there's no one in the Prem, so actually. You know, your best option is to is to stay. It, it'll be interesting. Actually, somebody said to me, on, you know, on the weekend, it'll be interesting to see whether not having the success with England and and and, and going out of the World Cup, where maybe we thought we could win it, changes his view to want to go. I don't know. That's just what somebody said. Somebody said, look, because he might thought I win the World Cup or a great chance of winning it. That's gone now. He may not may not play in another World Cup. Does that make him say, actually, well, I'm going to try to push harder for club honours somewhere else or, or here? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, again, fascinating. It's hard because he's 29 now and he go, he, go, he, so he signs a five-year contract somewhere that takes him up to 34. He, he's probably one of these players that plays like a Modric, but a handful yeah. of, maybe up to 36, 37, a Ronaldo type, Messi, whatever. But actually, this is his next big contract, isn't it? Is is now, and the club's in a situation where if we if we let it go any further, you're going to get a situation where he's going to be in the last kind of year of his contract, six months, and go well. I'm as well going to free, and then he's got anywhere that he can go, and then we've lost one of our greatest ever. I mean, he's only yeah. six goals behind me, Greaves, so he's going to break that this season. So that that will be yeah. done. He will be our greatest ever goal scorer. It's yeah. just whether he wants to stay in the Premier League to get another seventy odd goals or whatever it end up being. To, to hit Shearer, yeah, fascinating, mate. Uh, scary, really, but also, you know, you know, do do we let that that player go and reinvest the money somewhere? Because you know, Liverpool did that with Coutinho, and we've banged on about that for so many times, and they ended up winning the Champions League and the Premier League, and the you know, it, all the cups won everything, didn't they? So yeah, very difficult to to, to judge. Yeah, yeah I mean, fascinating I stuff. Go ahead. No, I, say, I, th- I think there's more, uh, you, know, you know, when you talk about banking the money that Kane would get, I, th- I think we're probably in a sort of position now where actually you don't have to bank that money off him because we've got enough players in our squad that you could sell to get 100 million in. You know, when you go through like the ones that don't get on, like people like Sanchez and all those types of players. Yeah, that's true. You know. yeah, 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 that's true. What is fascinating is I'll, I'll try and tie these two into one. And then Lee will ask you about agents. I think that's always a fascinating topic. Um, I mean, I think there's always that kind of that feeling that normally deals are, you say, are done rushed for a reason, for some particular reason. But sometimes, you know, you do find that negotiations are done way, way, way in advance of any deal, whether that's January, whether it's the summer. There is that element that I'd be keen to ask you and how you feel those transfers are negotiating kind of time frame. And then, yeah, from, from your perspective, do you, do you have a view on... On the on the time frame of a transfer, are they done fairly quickly, or is it all dependent on the situation in that given moment? It can be, and you know, it can be both. Basically, I mean, if you look at, you know, Perisic as an example for Spurs, I don't doubt that wasn't done ages before. You know, it, and, and and that just shows the nonsense that's in the media because they're like, oh yeah, Conte's going to go on holiday and think things over, and he goes away, and then five minutes later he agrees he's staying, and Perisic signs. I mean that was obviously like a complete smokescreen. And then they signed a couple of other players, Basuma and so on. So obviously they would have been ongoing. What you'd probably have is you'd probably have 
the agent of the player. So this is also where where things I, where I don't believe where sometimes you read stuff like Spurs have agreed a fee, but the players turn them down. I don't think that happens because I think generally the club will know if the player is going to come. You might be negotiating and talking and then you go, right, forget it. No one's interested. You're not offering enough and the player doesn't really want to go. But you don't really go hard for a player if, 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 if you know without knowing that there's an interest. And I've seen in the past with people I've worked with where a few years ago I saw a client where they'd agreed with the player the deal um, in May. You know, they, they'd agreed the contract. Um, and then the clubs did negotiate and it fell down on deadline day because everybody left it posturing until the last, until really late. But both clubs did. So I would say normally the player side of things is almost agreed in principle and then the clubs will negotiate. And, and like I said, there are so many different variances to like the negotiation of the transfer. It could be the amount. It could be how much is paid up front. It could be you agree the amount and how much is up front and then what's the instalments. Are they guaranteed installments? Are they based on performance? Are they based on winning stuff? Are they paid all in one year one? And it's those things that actually sort of like that, that go backwards and forwards. You might email somebody the deal. They might not reply to you for five days, as an example, you know. So then you can't do anything and they reject it. And then you go, OK, let's think about it. We're going to have another board meeting and, and, and so on. And then with the player contract stuff, sort of 80% of the, you know, a Premier League contract or football or football contract is, is standardised stuff. You know, then there's just stuff around payments, which is how much they get paid, what's in bonuses, how they're structured. And bonuses can vary on different things. It can be winning things, which are almost standardised, but it could be if you've got a young player going to a club, when the contract's renegotiated, does their money go up over a certain number of appearances? What if they play for England? And lots of different things like that that go into it. And then if there's image rights that's linked to it, that's a completely separate contract. And then you've got to agree that the amount that's going to go in there and all of the information specifically around that image rights deal, sponsorship, opportunities and so on. And then you might have to even get a company set up for that image rights. And there you go. Whenever you bring up image rights, we all think, oh, we could have had Dabala. Yeah, yeah. I, think <laughs> I, I think I told you about the Dabala one. I'm sure basically his, his image, yeah. his image yeah. rights were set up and held by basically his old agent as the sole director of the company. <laughs> so yeah. he had no control over it. Yeah, no, you, you, did, you did tell us that before. Um, football agent, we talked about these earlier, you know, in, in terms of the actual role of an agent, re representing the general interest of a player, but specifically when it comes to kind of issues around contract negotiations and that type of stuff. Um, you, you, know, you mentioned earlier, Mino Raiola, who's, who's obviously passed, and, and, and George Mendes as well, famous examples of football agents. They've kind of reputations of a fast portfolio, famous people, famous footballers, elite footballers, they are the kind of a super agent, if you like. But they do tend to get quite a lot of negative press, Adam. In your view, what's your thoughts on them being involved in the transfers in the world of football? And just touch on upon that a little bit more. It's like, because the it's, football like, is, it's not just about that negativity side of things, isn't it? They, they obviously are there to do some really good. Yeah. And, and, you know, I suppose in the years that I've been working in sport, I've seen the role of an agent change from the old school type of Eric Hall type agents that you hear about to actually some really top professional people. All of the agents that I know and I work with are good professional businessmen. Their job is to look after their client. But it, there are millions of things outside of a transfer that they do. You know, you might have an 18 year old kid. Some of them take them to training, help them get boots help their families out, you know, get them out of trouble if they get into speeding tickets, get into if they get into trouble with the police, if they have any maritable problems, they make sure that they there's all of those things that they do. Houses, all that sort of stuff. Like yeah, that. I mean, that's the point where they would actually bring me in to help yeah. on that side of things. But then I'm talking to them on that. They'd be involved in the accountant. And, and, and so there's all of the stuff that they do off the field you know, if they've come over from abroad, making sure there's family settled, you know, sometimes if they're foreign, you know, they'll have somebody in the office that, that helps them with their bills and getting all of those things set up because it's a new country, banking, all of those things. And then what you might have is that player that could then leave you and go to another agent. And you've done all that work for them for like two or three years and then they go to another agency. So it is a very cutthroat business and it can be quite a, quite a brutal business. So there's lots of stuff that they do as well as the negotiation of the contract. And their job 
is to get the best contract for their players. One of the biggest agents I work with, some of the contracts I've seen are unbelievable. And I'm like, wow. I say to him as a joke, I said, you could probably get me a contract somewhere um, on, on good money because he does a fantastic job. And, you know, Raiola is a great example. His clients adored him, absolutely yeah. loved him, all of them, you know, because he did he did an amazing job for them. Yes, he was this. He would put himself out as the bad guy publicly. But all of these guys loved him because he Super did a great job. Just before I hand back to Lee, where, where does that negative connotation come from, Mads? Do you think it's the do you think it's the clubs that are forcing that down the chain for fans to feel that way, or or is it a case? Because like you said there, I mean, the players adore some of these agents and super agents out because they get them the move. They obviously, for them, it, it's integral to obviously their wealth. Then in later in life, like you look at Ronaldo's career and what he's been able to achieve and earn, and where he goes on to next, you know, he's set for almost for life. You'd feel so. Where did that negative connotation come from for you, Ads? Well, there, you know, there are a couple of sides to it. Like any industry, there are some really good people and then there are some not so good people. So there will be some unprofessional, unscrupulous agents who will be having their best interests at heart and trying to line their own pockets and not think about the player and the club. And you've seen situations where people have, you know, situations where, you know, you know an agent has sold a house to one of his clients and he's taken a cut. So he's made the player pay more money and he's taken a cut for him. Things like that that used to happen in the olden days. So there is that side of things. There's also the side of things that, you know, when you see it now, you know, when, whenever a player leaves, it's always the agent trying to do the move and all of these types of things. And so there's the fan side of it, that, that, that which is us, which is, oh, my God, that agent's taking Kane away from Spurs, as an example. And they try to find a full guy and it's always the agent. But it's interesting when a club wants rid of you, no one cares about the agent at that point. If the club doesn't want you anymore, you're out the door. And all the fans are like, good riddance to him, he's rubbish. And that, then, then it's okay to get rid of them. Um, and then I suppose the other side is, you know, it's the money that they get paid. But everyone's like, well, it should go back into grassroots and so on. But that's the nature of the industry. It's a regulatory point as to how much they get paid for the contract. And it's in there. And the contracts are big numbers because get, footballers get paid a lot of money. Um, but again, you know, I know some agents that, that that deal in the lower leagues, and they don't they don't earn great money. They're scrapping around trying to earn a living, trying to do a good job, and often you've got other people trying to poach your clients all the time. Yeah, fascinating stuff, mate. It's, it, again, it's, it just brings it brings that kind of that realist that realism to the situation. Like it's not FIFA, right? You're not playing, you know, FIFA on your PlayStation or whatever, or, or, you know, your other devices are available. Of course, consoles are available, but it is that, that real life of, you know what I mean? It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Look, the, the final hurdles in the deal are the medical, for some players, work permit, medicals or top level clubs are very stringent, carried out training grounds or hospitals around, you know, the, in, in the capital cities where they are. Work permits need players over the age of 16 that can't work or haven't got an EU passport. Lots of different things that we, we, we're talking about there. Um, the FA will grant a work permit if a player has paid 75% of competitive games and FIFA ranked to 70 nations. You've also got all of the things about homegrown players from a uh, from a club perspective that have got to you know, go into there when, when we're making the transfer happen. So... Um, I, I suppose where, where players failed a medical or can't agree a work permit and that type of stuff, how mentally damaging, um, Adam, could that be for a player? If they, you know, all of that, you know, it's a little bit like we said earlier about house chain. You've been in the house chain for months. Yes, we're going to move. And then it falls through. Yeah. That's got to have a, a, an aspect mentally, isn't it, on the player, no? Yeah, it's brutal. And I think that's where, you know, deadline day is, you, you know, is that that's where it's brutal because sometimes you might have agreed that deal and then it's like, right, get ready to drive down here for this and and, 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 and so on and we'll try and get things done. I know one club that that on purpose, one, one, one window filed the form to the FA at one minute past midnight on purpose, you know, and, you know, it that, you know, and people don't realise those types of things do actually go on with clubs and it's like you're, you know, some sometimes these players, like they're treated like cart horses, Right, get in the car, go down the motorway. No, come back now. We've not agreed the fee and all of those. And it is, and and that's why when you talk about the loyalty, you're like, you don't always see that there's not there's no loyalty on on both sides in many cases. Mm. Um, but I think you know it comes back to that point about not getting a move. You know, I think 
ultimately you can you can complain about it moan about it or you've just got to try and get your head down and get on with it in the same in any type of job really but it, it it obviously will affect you if you are being sort of shipped around like that and that is probably the biggest negative of a transfer window is that really late stuff where people don't quite know where they are and they are in limbo and then there's this mad rush to try to get things sorted well, I've got to say, it's a fascinating hour. I mean, I, I always feel when I come away from a show with you, I learn so much. Totally. And that's why we always feel like we have to get you back. I'm sure you agree, mate. It's been a real fascinating show, this one. No, it absolutely has. And I think, you know, my, my final thing, sport, you know, as we walk, go back into the second half, if you like, of the season, obviously rolling into the transfer window, yeah. I'm sure you'll notice it's etched in your mind, Rick, when, when it actually opens. Is it a couple of weeks or so? You know, what, you know, ha- having a month to do deals or the summer pre- previous to line these deals up, why and I know you touched on this earlier. Why did do we we look like we see so many clubs kind of scratching around an hour before deadline? Or is that or is that just the you know the provider of the media, the breaking news at the bottom of your sky screens? And oh, you know, all of a sudden, Tom Barla might be happy. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, is it is it f- fake? Not fake news, yeah. but is it a false way of doing things? Because these have been going on for for a while. I think I think like I, like I said, I think it's a combination of like all of it. Some of it is just rubbish, just made up stuff to try to get you to read news feeds and stuff like that. Some sometimes you'll have clubs or agents putting stories out there that aren't true in order to try to move something along. Wow! So you might say, "Oh, blah blah is interest." And I think you saw it with the guy that you were obsessed with on this, the, the striker that went to Juventus. Remember? Oh I yeah, was, um, yeah. What was, I can't remember his name. The, oh God. The, we're, yeah, but but, I, but but him specifically, Galibis. when he signed, si- yeah, when he signed for Juventus, they said the deal was agreed four months ago, and he spoke to nobody else, and we were being pumped in for months. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah. that could have just been somebody using us to try to push out a story to get somebody else to move. So that happens sometimes. As I said, you've got the chain, and then sometimes some that breaks down and then something happens really late. So then the whole chain goes back to normal again. Or sometimes people do just leave things to the last minute because they think, right, bang, if we go in now, we'll get him. And, you know, we can push this through at a lower price. So I think it's a combo. And and then also panic sets in because there is that posturing and negotiating. And then you're like, almost like, right, if we don't get this done now, it's never going to happen. We need to move right now. Just in just in your opinion, rather than inside knowledge that you, you might have, but, uh, you know, you can keep that to yourself, of course. The Kulusevsky and Rodrigo Bentinker yeah. is, you know, was done late. You know, we, there was a lot of rumours about a lot of other players coming in. These two weren't even on our radar, I don't think, until probably two days, maybe three days before the January transfer window ended. Obviously, they came in and they have been absolutely outstanding. I don't think I've met any Tottenham fan or other pundit of, of, of other clubs or whatever that have said, wow, the, these two are rubbish. Um, they've been brilliant. So firstly, please, Paratici and Mr. Lee, yeah. can you do it again, please? Um, but, but equally, do you think that that was planned in, in advance or you know, a little bit more? Because I didn't feel yeah. like it was a panic, but it, I mean, they come out of nowhere almost, didn't they? Yeah, I, I reckon, you know, people always say the Paratici has like a couple of people that he's negotiating with. So it wouldn't surprise me whether there was like two or three people that they were going, negotiating with. And maybe they had people that were more in, higher up on the list that they would have preferred. But they've negotiated that deal and it's on the table. And they're like, right, this isn't happening now. Let's give up on it and get these two. Yeah. Because, again, you've got Juventus, you've got two players, you've got two player agents. It's not that quick. You've got to do personal terms with both of them and all of those types of things. So I'm sure... They would have probably been negotiating that for a long time, and then that was a good deal, and, well, wasn't it? It was a, it, it, it's a ridiculous deal when you look at it again. I, I think Benton is he, is he 16 million euros, 15, yeah, 15.8 million up front. It's insane, isn't it? It is, insane. it is absolutely insane. And Kulizevsky, yeah. again, he's 40, 40 or 45 million when we buy him. Again, it's mm. you know, it's that ludicrous transfer fees for how good they both are, yeah. Um, Adds. It is always fascinating having you on, Lee. Thank you so much for joining us on this one, mate. It's been a real pleasure. We've got you back with us soon, gearing up towards the start of the resumption of the Premier League. And just to close it with you, I know you've got um, some some news, maybe for some viewers and listeners here. I know you've got something very exciting happening for you in the new year. Should we close the show with that very quickly? Yeah, okay. Um, Yeah, so so, um, I mentioned before, I do a lot of financial education. I don't just work in football, I work in sport. So... um, we, we, we've been working with a couple of boxers and we um, 
we, we basically put together a financial education program in boxing because they are even underserviced in this space specifically more than football. They've got a much shorter career. You can get knocked out and then your career's over. Your earnings are very erratic. Um, so we've put together a financial education program specifically for boxers. And we spoke to a number of people and we've just launched with 258 Management, who is Anthony Joshua's management agency, a financial education program that we're doing to them, their boxers. And then we're trying to roll it out in the industry sort of wider with Team GB and so on, hopefully in the future. Amazing, mate. Superb. Brilliant. Brilliant. Add to the socials, I'm sure people can catch you over at Sports Finance for any questions they may have. Just don't flood the inbox too hours. Now you've got a very busy day job, right? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, it's good. Thanks a lot for having me on as always. Pleasure. Top Adam, man, thank you so life. much. Lee, thank you so much, Bud. We're looking forward to having Adam on back Cheers, around guys. the season. Guys, please, Cheers, as always, man. keep safe, keep well. We're back with you, as always, very, very soon on Last One on Spurs. Take care. Thank you so much. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.